Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We really do have a packed show for you this week. We've got two movie reviews coming your way with Gemini Man and Zombieland 2 Double Tap. We're going to get you caught up with what's popping. And in honor of Zombieland, we are going to do our top five celebrities you'd want to be paired with in the zombie apocalypse. Let's do it. episode of popcorn for breakfast with my co-host kirk hello hello i am your other co-host cam and that was kind of weird because i see i had to introduce you first because i read this thing don't ever read things on the internet it ruins your life but i read this thing that was like it was in a comment section too of all places oh no uh, of like some sort of clip of like sports center or something like that where this guy was like Wow, he introduced himself before his co-host. That is just so super rude. Like that's the number one rule in broadcast etiquette is you always introduce the other person prior to yourself. And it really struck a chord with me. Well, I'm glad you read that. <laughs> yeah, it's about time, right? <laughs> because I wrote that and yeah. I've been uh, It was your burner account fuming over here for the past 14 <laughs> weeks. You've just been going on Facebook pages that you know that I frequent and leaving comments under a burner name. Yeah, that's like my thousandth comment. I'm glad you finally well, caught I finally up to saw it. it. Uh so sorry for for 14 episodes I've offended you so for the next 14 episodes I will do it the right way and then from there who knows. Now we're back at even and we'll have to figure something out from there mm. but I did it right this time. It's been a while Kirk it's been a long while. Too long. I feel, I feel like uh, uh, I got no. I've got nothing. Yeah. I don't even have words. <laughs> you don't have words to describe how long that it's been. I'm gonna be silent the rest of this podcast. I think it was. Um, I think this break was longer than the break before Joker, wasn't it? Yeah, because there was the break where my son got sick. Yes. And then we just got all out of whack because we didn't want to have another episode immediately We didn't after. want the fast follow. Yeah. And so we had to get back on track, which I think was actually good. Mm-hmm. And it will pay off because this is our first ever double review episode, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. And it's like almost like a, a three, almost like a threefer. Oh, yeah, because we're going to talk about El Camino. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. Which, of course, in Spanish means the Camino. Or... The, the road? road okay got it or the car the el camino car <laughs> or just yeah just that vehicle so we're gonna talk about that we're gonna be talking about gemini man we're gonna be talking about zombie land 2 colon double tap double tap very excited about that we but since we've had such a long break first of all lots of things have happened mm-hmm. got to see two of my best friends get married Luke and Jesse, congratulations. Mosseltoff, it was amazing. Congrats. Uh, friends of the pop. I had the honor of being in the wedding, which is always a great time. Um, so that was super fun. Had a family reunion this last week, and you were at that one. Yes, it was lit. It was. It was fire. Fuego. Um, what else happened? Oh, I went to go see one of my favorite bands, The Rockin' Tours. Very nice. For the second time. They were just as good the second time. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot. I've also watched a lot of stuff. What'd you watch? So I I've been watching Fleabag. 
I'm well into season two now, loving it. I can see why season two is a little bit more critically acclaimed in general. I think she really like got the creative freedom to just like go for it. And right out of the gate, episode one is like really, really good. Um, had the season finale of Succession. Holy mackerel. How are you doing? I was shook. I was texting everybody that I knew who watched Succession. I was texting people I didn't know watched Succession that I thought might <laughs> and be like, hey, so this is going to be weird, but do you happen to watch Succession? Because I need to talk to everyone about it. <laughs> um, it was so good. You know, I, I think everybody's saying, you know, there's tons of articles out there. If you search Succession, it's like tons of articles that say some like canned headline of like why succession is the most essential show on television you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of that going around i think it's true i'm not saying that it's not but the hype is there but i still thought that this show needed a moment to cement itself as this force you know in television and um <laughs> what was that I don't know. There's some kind of monster <laughs> in the recording studio like right trying, now. I was trying to talk, <laughs> and I heard something, and I was like, are we about to be abducted by aliens? Oh, okay. So it's happening that. again. It's happening again. Is that the garage door? <laughs> I don't know. I can feel it in my feet, though. Garage door. It's the garage door. Okay. okay. We can All move right. on. We're, we're alive. Don't worry. For now, we're good. That was <laughs> terrifying. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, Succession. <laughs> yes. This show for a long time has felt like it was on the peak of elite caliber programming. But you know how every show has those iconic moments? It had its iconic moment. Okay. In the season two finale. I'm not going to spoil anything, but now is the time to start watching the show before it becomes too daunting, you know, before you get either spoiled or there's like three 10 episode seasons and you're like, oh man, that's such a haul. Like now, now is the time to jump on this show. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I was already like all totally starting a succession podcast. Yeah. I'm trying to think of those other like big moments in TV that was like this, this is something well, you so, must watch. Um, in House of Cards. It's it's when Frank knocks on the desk. Okay. You know, the, have you seen House of Cards? I've not. Oh, okay. So there there is a moment in House of Cards where Frank is having his big moment, mm-hmm. and he looks down, looks up at the camera, and knocks on the desk, and Ooh. it's like the coolest thing ever. I think it's actually the noise they use. I heard somebody tell me it was the noise they use for the Netflix sign-in. Oh, I don't know if that's true. I will have to fact check that, but that's what I heard, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. That. For Breaking Bad, I think it was the say my name. Oh, easily. Moment easily. where it's like, say it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think there are moments like that, you know, where there's like this big defining thing. Um, and Succession totally had theirs, and I was very excited to be a part of it. I was like freaking out watching it by myself in my basement. I was like, oh. So um, that was really good. Also watched um, last night Watchmen. Okay, I forgot this was coming. Yeah, it snuck up on me too. I've been hyping about it for a long time, but sometimes like whenever you hype about something, it feels like it's so far away, it just kind of sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised. I got an alert on my phone from Apple TV app. To remind of you. Of all places. And it was like, <laughs> hey, yo, uh, you might like Watchmen. I was like, what? what? And so I scrambled to find it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Good. Score is incredible. Um it's it's interesting because it's a sequel 
And I think a lot of people, myself included, I think in many cases are very wary of a, of a Watchmen sequel because it's very much relies on the time period that it's in. It's, it's uh, indicative of what was happening in society at the time. It's sort of a masterpiece. And so if you're going to sequel a masterpiece, like it has to be good. Um, but I like it. So when you say it's a sequel, is it a sequel to the film that came out a few years ago with like no, Mail and Ackerman? It's, it's and... just a, it takes place after the events of the Watchmen graphic novel. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got so, it. uh, they're taking on some modern political things that are going on in a pretty extreme way, but Regina King is incredible. Always. The production, the production value is very high. Um, I can see, I, I bet, I would bet, I haven't looked, but I would bet that there are a bunch of OG Watchmen fans out there that are like ranting and raving about this, saying it's not good, and I would get that, but I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then I watched El Camino. El Camino, man. El Camino. Oh, and Zombieland 1. Oh, to get because I had to get caught up, prepped for it, and on upon. I mean, I've seen Zombieland many times, but I took a big long break. I haven't seen it in a while now. I didn't think it was as good upon this most recent viewing, which is kind of interesting. But I do think that that movie was doing something that at the time was very inventive, mm-hmm. and so I don't think they were totally had the uh, training wheels off whenever they made that movie because they knew that they were introducing a concept that was like pretty new and yeah. so they didn't want it to flop and i feel like there were some similar copycat styled movies to that they weren't zombie movies oh 100 with like the graphics integrated into the story of the film you know yeah um and the the narration on top of it they had all the pieces and they just copied it throughout several different films yeah i think a lot of people piggybacked on what they did in that movie yeah and obviously zombies are huge now at the time i think Shaun of the dead people will say well Shaun of the dead was the first one to really do it it's so different from Shaun of the dead mm-hmm. you know the the humor's different the stakes are different like the way that they chose to go about it so i feel like zombie land was really like the first comedic american take on zombies and it was it f- feels right like it was, yeah. it was good you can't really compare those the people who do compare them you're wrong I think they have to be separated. <laughs> it's another one of those things that, like, while it seems like you should compare them, like, whenever you start to actually look below the surface a little bit, you quickly find out, like, ah, well, this is actually a, a shallower comparison than I maybe thought. Yes. So, yeah. So, I was busy. What Did you watch anything this week? I, I know that you watched things. El Camino. I did watch El Camino. Uh, obviously watched our two movies that we're going to review. I also started Goliath on Amazon Prime. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been wondering about that one. I was very curious to it because I've only seen Billy Bob Thornton in a number of things, and none, none of his performances really stand out to me, even though he is mm-hmm. just a you know this core celebrity in, yeah, in cinema. And it was, it was pretty good. I watched it way too late, so I passed out. Yeah. So I got to rewind a couple episodes. But from what I saw, it's a solid character. Oh, cool. They've got a solid storyline about the underdog. Well, Goliath, right? So basically a David versus Goliath story. Yeah. And it, I'm liking it so far. It's it's pretty strong. Is it like a legal setting or what's the... It uh, is a okay, legal setting. Okay, that's what setting. I thought. Yeah, Billy Bob's like this washed up lawyer who used to be like on top of the world. And this case falls in his lap that's going to... Uh, change the course of his career and many lives that are suffering from this big corporation. Mm. Yeah, it's really nice. That sounds cool. Then the only other thing that I got a chance to catch up with was Paul Rudd's Living With Yourself, which just dropped on Netflix the other oh, night. Oh, it's already out? It just dropped. Like Oh, man. Yesterday or the night before, It it's, it's a good one, man. And I loved watching it because in this, we know that Paul Rudd has a clone. 
Yes. And we just watched Gemini Man. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a clone theme going on. Yes, here. yes. So I was loving it. I love anything that Paul Rudd is in. And oh, same. The episodes, this is what is so great. The episodes are only 30 minutes long. Love that. So you can just cruise right through this. I think there's eight episodes. I'm on episode four. It's so easy Yeah, I to mean, watch. that's such a small, it's a way smaller commitment. Yes. It's so much more doable. It's got... It's got a great uh, a great cast of of kind of unknown people. Um, what what's the what's the guy from Parks and Rec who um, the Councilman Jammer or whatever he's oh in it. yeah Councilman Jam Jam yeah. yeah you just got jammed <laughs> yeah uh, so there's there and there's a number of other people that you may have seen pop up in other shows and it's okay it's solid it's really fun I'll have to check that out for sure. Um, so we both watched El Camino because mm-hmm. obviously like I was. I was actually really ticked off that uh, I thought it was coming out at midnight that night. And so I was up at midnight and I was like, all right, let's go. I want to stay <laughs> up and watch this movie. And then it was like midnight Pacific. Yeah. I was like, wow, not cool. Not cool at all. So I went to bed begrudgingly. And mm-hmm. then I had a very busy weekend, so I didn't get to watch it until that Sunday or mm-hmm. so. And, oh, man, what what were your thoughts on this one? I was pretty much blown away by it it definitely meets the hype that we all wanted it to it's definitely not only is it just this love letter to the fans like we care about you we know you want to know what happens next yeah but it also adds so much more color to the story it extends the story in a way that i didn't think was possible yep i yeah i had a i had a couple of thoughts and the first one was so glad to have Vince Gilligan back in my life because holy smokes, he that dude is a visionary. Mm-hmm. And some of the shots in that movie were just great. I mean, it's just class. It's just classic Breaking Bad. It's like something that only they can do stylistically. It just fits so well. Yes. Um, Aaron Paul was incredible. I just I I get angry because I want him to have more good roles and he seems like he only gets bad roles and I'm like this dude can flat out act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so apparent about his level of commitment to the acting world and art when remember when Hank beats the absolute garbage out of him in one yes. episode which pushes him through the door and just like wails on him that that episode where he's in the hospital yelling at Walt telling Walt it's his fault dude through all that crazy makeup and prosthetics you're like oh my gosh the crazy control that he has yeah I, I am also with you I don't know why he doesn't get Academy Award roles I know he's he is that level and I, I thought for sure when Breaking Bad wrapped that that was going to be the case mm-hmm. um just really hasn't been in the cards yet. I mean, I know he's going to show up on Westworld, which that's that's cool. That should be good. Um, but yeah, I just want more, one more Aaron Paul. I thought that this, the, so the big complaint that I've heard from people who didn't like this thing, or I, I shouldn't say didn't like, but weren't like blown away by it, is that it just felt like a long TV episode. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I think that's that's another expectation management thing, right? Yeah, you know, like, that was exactly what I was expecting. Actually, it was uh, just a long episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, so this was a two-hour episode, a two-hour movie, and it felt like two episodes of Breaking Bad combined. Yep. You know, like when you get like a premiere of a season, and it's two hours. That's what this was. Yep. Um, but just more artfully done because it had more time to do it. You know, I went and saw Downton Abbey. That's what I forgot to mention. Yeah. I also went and saw Downton Abbey. It felt like a two-hour episode of Downton Abbey. Yeah, I think it would feel weird otherwise, right? Yes. Because what they're talking about, I think it'd be different if they said, you know, here's the spinoff of the Breaking Bad universe that only 
lightly touches on the events of Breaking Bad, like that I think you could do as a movie. Mm-hmm. Like a true movie that feels like a movie and not a long-form TV episode. Right. But this kind of had to feel like a TV episode because it would have felt really bizarre otherwise. Yeah, the formula was there. Why mess it up? Yeah. And they did not. They didn't. No, it was good. It was it gave us a little bit of closure, which I thought was great. Um, it's similar to what Gilmore Girls did with their like four hour oh, what was thing, that called? like four seasons or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, um, just like, hey, we know that there was a cliffhanger. Let's go clean it up. Let's do it in a way that like, I, I don't think any Breaking Bad fan could have been disappointed with how they did this because it was created specifically for us. Mm-hmm. And um they balanced it really well they showed us some new things they showed us some old things they gave us what we wanted um and it was suspenseful man my heart rate got up a little bit oh yeah my apple watch was like telling me you all right dude you're just sitting it was like hey you've just been sitting but it kind of feels like you're running yes why is your heart rate at 160 bro (laughs) you're like listen jesse pinkman is in a very tight situation right now and i am (laughs) nervous about it okay so shut it siri um yeah, so, I mean, overall thoughts, you liked it, right? Yeah. Would no, recommend? No spoilers on this. Just watch it as soon as possible because, like, hours after it premiered, like, I woke up to people who waited and watched it in my time zone, which was, like, 2 a.m. when it dropped, right? Yep. So, go go watch this. It's it's just a click away. It's You don't have to go anywhere but your own couch. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a Breaking Bad fan, you've just been kind of waiting to hear what people say. We'll we'll give you the stamp of approval. This is a this is a good one. You should absolutely check it out. Mm-hmm. All right, that is El Camino. Let's talk about what's popping. There's not, yeah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> There's not a ton going on. The biggest one is one that I'm going to talk about this every single time it comes around. Uh, Carrie Fisher's birthday is today. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Carrie Fisher. She would have been. Um, 63 years old today. If she were still with us, I, I miss Carrie Fisher. I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic to see her posthumous performance in the last or the last movie in the Skywalker saga. I almost said the last Jedi, but, uh, to see it in this, uh, rise of Skywalker. Um, it's going to be very emotional and it was emotional. I think in the last Jedi too, but this will be especially emotional knowing that, you know, we're really kind of saying goodbye to leia in whatever form for the final time here um yeah it's so hard because we thought that was it everyone really thought that was it because they're like oh you know what they you know she wrapped on all of her scenes production was still going on yeah and but they have some extras they have some extras that they've thrown into the rise of skywalker so i'm excited i i i I don't know what all they have um to be honest with you i'm kind of anticipating a pretty significant role from leia in this movie yep um a role similar to a certain Obi-Wan Kenobi ghost, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, that's kind of where I think they're going to go with it because we know that she was enlightened with the force and, um, probably will be a force ghost of some kind in this movie. Absolutely. Uh, maybe guiding Ray's footsteps. That would be pretty cool. I think um, we'll definitely, you're right. I think we'll definitely hear her voice near the, near the climax of this film guiding whoever. To yeah. success. probably Ray. Right. Yeah. So, um and princess leia man can't say enough about that character mm-hmm. that character i i mean i just like when when the news i mean we were actually working together whenever carrie fisher passed away we talked a lot about it it was uh it was a sad day for sure but i think the thing that 
sticks around with her like her legacy is just awesome because she created this character that's a hero to so many people um but especially to to women and that's a really important thing um I was jealous that I couldn't be Princess Leia whenever I was a kid you know <laughs> I would I would pretend to be Princess Leia cuz she was just so cool and like um you know I've said it before but as somebody who grew up with two older sisters mm-hmm. and a mom all of whom were huge influences in my life. It was awesome to have a really significant female hero in the star Wars movies that I held very dear to my heart because it was like very relatable to my life. And so I thought that I I just love princess Leia and I think Carrie Fisher is awesome and did a great job with her and I'm excited to see her again. Yeah. Watching, you know, a new hope and I'm I'm excited to when my son gets old enough to watch that because I want to see his face when she picks up that blaster and starts just going for it. She's like, give me that thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I'll do it if you need someone to work at this, whatever the line is. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's a very powerful moment for Just her. Just a total boss. Love it. So uh, um, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher, as always, and happy birthday. Um, okay. Next up, Watchmen. We talked about Watchmen. We alluded mm-hmm. to it. Um, this goes back to a conversation we had a little while ago when you were like, is Succession the new Game of Thrones? And I think my retort was something like, it has to have that prior it has to be based on something that people were already fans of Watchmen is yet another testament to that because it has had the biggest series premiere since westworld 1.5 million people tuned in that's so big. that's pretty big especially for premiere content you have to remember like their their content costs money <laughs> to mm-hmm. see you know like not it's not basic cable so um that that's a pretty big deal and uh i thought that was interesting so Bravo, you, you think you're going to check it out? I, th- I think I, I too much content, too much good content is coming to HBO. Yeah, I don't have HBO, and I think I need to get it now. I'll hook you up, man. They don't do the, um, they don't do the uh, password guillotine, <laughs> where they're just like you can't share your login with people. They're Perfect. it's open doors. I can't remember. Who was it who shared their... Was it Seth Rogen? I was just thinking about that. Or Andy Jane, Samberg. Oh, Andy Samberg. On the Oscars he or the sh- Emmys. Yeah, he shared his HBO login, and yeah. people were like actually using it. And like, he like broke with that system, and, and they all everyone <laughs> logged into it, and then like shut it down. Yeah. And, oh, man. He, and he like commented on it like 10 minutes later. He was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, pretty awesome. But yeah, they still... I mean, um, I share it with my sister, and so yeah, I'll just give you the login. You can check it out. Can't watch succession while you're tomorrow. in there yeah exactly <laughs> um i'll i'll just say it <laughs> no i'm just kidding i have those passwords that are like so locked down like it would be like oh my gosh big g little g eight <laughs> exclamation point star i don't know it's just like division symbol it, it's chaos my <laughs> my wife absolutely hates it anytime she's like hey what's the password for nest i'm locked out of the thermostat I'm like, oh, here you go. And she's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, why? I'm like, well, I'll tell you why. Because our PlayStation Network got hacked and some dweeb out there bought $250 worth of video games and really bad video games too, Kirk. That was what was most <laughs> offensive about it. And also, to be fair, your identity was stolen twice before that. Yeah, dude. And I feel like I'm, I'm, like, I feel like I'm pretty aware from a cybersecurity perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've got people steal my identity. I, when I was in high school, I had somebody try to use my debit card at a Las Vegas Kmart yeah. for $400, which, like, <laughs> that was a lot of questions coming up, which, first of all, is, like, how do you possibly spend $400 at a Kmart? Right. 
it's like the $20 Taco Bell challenge when people were doing that. Like you have to eat $20 worth of Taco Bell and you pretty much die because everything there is so cheap. It's the same thing with Kmart. I was like, what is this person buying? Mm-hmm. Just like a bunch of curling irons? I don't understand. And this was back in the early 2000s. Yeah. As well. I know. And it, just puzzling. Mm-hmm. And then the other time I had my identity stolen, I can't remember what happened. Nor do I. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, mean, but I understand I'm, your I'm password a frequent, lockdown. I'm a frequent victim. I've got two I got two factor authentication on everything. <laughs> Anybody tries to get in my stuff, I get a little ding on the phone and I'm like not today. So, I need to I need to up my level of passwords cuz as my wife would attest to you, she's like, "What's the password for this?" I said, "Try the one we always do." And all of a sudden, you're she's like, in. "Well, there's one of two options. It's either this one or this one with an exclamation point at the end and a star." Precisely. <laughs> Hopefully no one hacks me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just gave, just gave it away, Kirk. Um so yeah, Watchmen, I'll 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 hit you with the HBO under the condition that before you watch Watchmen, you have to watch Succession. That'll be the rule. I'll do it. Okay. Good. I'm in. I like it. Um, next one is weird. I, I put it on there because the title of this thing is hilarious. And also, I love Flight of the Concords, which is another HBO show with uh, Brett McKenzie and Jemaine Clement. If you listen to Moana music, he's mm-hmm. the... he's the uh, Tamatoa. Tamatoa, yeah. He's the... What is it? A crab? Like a crab. He's like a big crab. He sings the shiny song. It's so shiny. It's genius. But his counterpart in that show, Brett McKenzie, is adapting a Jim Henson Christmas special from back in the day, like aired in the 1970s on ABC, called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. What? And I don't know what it is, but it sounds magical. Wouldn't you agree? I I don't know. You're apprehensive about <laughs> I am a little bit. I mean, obviously, those two guys are comedic geniuses. They are. The Flight of the Concords is, is like one of the greatest things ever. But I guess I'm curious as to what it looks like for him in a solo um, production with this crazy. Well, yeah. So I don't know if it's still going to be puppet based. I don't know what's going on here. But I am all for here. This was the other reason I wanted to bring up. I love Christmas specials. I love them in every form. I think they're like a lost thing, but I love them. I like the variety shows whenever those come on, like the, um, I mean, not the Michael Buble one, but the, like when they did the Kelly Clarkson's Red Christmas or whatever, like I'm all in on that. So any kind of singing special? Any singing special, any like we only show Charlie Brown Christmas on ABC like once a year on Christmas Eve. Like any of that, I'm all in for it. Is this thing slated to be like a sketch comedy thing as well? Right? No idea. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I read it. I read Emmett. Here's what I did, Kirk. I'm very much like a goldfish and this is a shiny object. I read <laughs> Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and I was like, yep, we're talking about that <laughs> because it sounds awesome. Well, I mean, we're just going to see what happens. Uh, is it going to come out next Christmas or this Christmas? Still don't know. Mm. I don't know anything. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of research on this, Kirk. I was just like, I wanted to mostly just wanted to see how you would react to this. And I just wanted you to tell me that you were excited about it. I'm going to pull up some notes to see if I can find this really quickly, but I, I don't, I'm not having any luck so far because I want to know, is it this Christmas or next Christmas? I don't know. All I know is that it's Jim Henson. So check. Jim Henson's great. So it's a movie. It's Brett McKenzie. It's a Christmas special, okay? So who know. knows? I don't know. It's gotta who happen knows next year. But he's the rhinoceros and he's gonna he's gonna just rock it. So 
Um, all right, next. That was uh, that was a painful one. Next one. <laughs> um, okay, so lots of news about China recently. Have you realized this? So the NBA is battling with China right now. Yeah, why? Okay, well, you want me to tell you? I know this was a movie podcast, but I'm a, I'm a sports guy too, so I can fill you in. Yeah. Okay, so Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets, he posted a tweet while they were doing – the NBA is huge in Asia huge most per, like particularly in china it's a big deal um while they were doing this chinese tour uh nba china tour or whatever he posted a tweet that was in support of the protesters in hong hong kong who are fighting for democracy from the chinese government okay um china was not pleased with that and they started like taking down all the NBA memorabilia. They were like being openly hostile to the NBA. They like, there were reports that the Chinese government like called the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, and told him to fire Daryl Morey and all of these different things. It was wild times. Then to pour gasoline on the fire, LeBron James came out and was like, well, I don't think Daryl Morey was fully educated when he sent out that tweet. And people freaked out because they were like, whoa, LeBron, are you saying you support China? Because they're, like, terrible. And, and there's, there's, all these, there's all these atrocities that they're responsible for. And you're, like, kind of halfway supporting them. And then LeBron came out and was like, well, I just, I just want to play basketball. Which, that's a bad move for a guy who's been really outspoken politically throughout his career. And that's, like, kind of his thing is that he – more than an athlete is his whole mantra. Yeah. And so it, you can't just like hide just because you got in trouble for something you said. Like you kind of have to take it. So anyway, that's all going on. It's a big deal. So now we're getting some heat for. So now the now the movies are getting in on it. <laughs> um, and it's because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think we probably saw this coming. Yes. Uh, so the Bruce Lee bit, the bit that I actually thought was really funny personally, um, China did not think that was funny. They were like, this is disrespectful to Bruce Lee that's making fun of him. Quentin Tarantino's like not making fun of him at all. Like, y- like using him as a comedic tool. Sure. But like, he's like, this was my view of Bruce Lee. He's like kind of a diva. So that's why I put it in the movie. Yeah. And that was kind of, uh, it was historically correct, but you know, it was subject subjectively it's wrong. Su- yeah, that's right. You Sub- know, it, it was subjective from, yeah. from several accounts. That's how Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee came off to people. Right, and then, but for the people close to Bruce Lee, they're like, hey, what the heck? That's yes. kind of rude. So, yeah, I get it. Um, and so China was like, listen, you can censor your movie or we're not going to show it. So there was kind of this stalemate where it was like, what's Quentin Tarantino going to do? Are they going to like change the movie to remove this bit? And he was like, nope. He decided <laughs> He decided he's not going to censor the movie, so I guess he's not going to get – I guess he, he, he will not be able to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in China. Unless it's the bootleg version that you sneak into your home. That's right. So bravo, man, bravo to him. Yeah, I mean, I th- I don't think that's like some sort of like. If we get to a point where people are like afraid to stand up to China, it's like hold on. Yeah, I mean, and also he's an artist, and yes, censorship is not very American <laughs> in no. general. So I mean, yeah, I think I feel like there's been a lot of movies that have been tailored and changed because they wanted that that revenue the from the box office yeah. over there because they're a massive country obviously yeah, huge uh so i'm proud of him 
Yeah, I think like he's my son. Proud of you, Quentin. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, if there's one thing we can all agree with, it's that China is maybe not great. Yeah. And they are responsible for some pretty horrific things. And so kudos. He did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been kind of mad if he's like, okay, you know, because then you're just chasing dollars. And that's, you know, that's what people were confu- can, they were accusing LeBron James for, uh, mm. for uh, which is understandable. I mean, there's probably a ton of LeBron James merchandise being sold in China. And now it's being burned by the government. Yeah, literally. So it's uh it's an inter- interesting times. Tensions are high, but that's that's your China update for the day. I didn't think we'd get <laughs> into China at any point during this podcast, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, maybe if we could just stay out of all kind of China politics and just say, oh, you don't like it? No worries. We just won't show it there. And not yeah. like this back and forth. Just like, nope, we're good. Won't do yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of freaky when like the Chinese government is like calling people up on the phone and being like, hey you can't release your movie i don't know that's that's a little too far for me okay that is what's popping weird week just bizarre um also mini what's popping joker passed joker is going to pass deadpool correct for highest grossing r-rated movie ever that's the projection correct are you surprised by that? I am surprised by it because I am too. this movie, came, Joker, was uh, pretty polarizing. Yeah, Deadpool was like, "Come, it's a part. It's kind of like a party. It's like be my friend, be my friend. This is breaking the yeah, it's the a comedy of of superhero movies." So I don't understand it. I'm excited for Joker. I'm excited for Todd Phillips and Joaquin. But yeah, they deserve it. But it doesn't. It it's weird for sure. Yeah, I. I know, I personally know a lot of people who have chosen to sit Joker out. So mm-hmm. I think that's why it kind of shocked me because Deadpool, I mean, Deadpool, you know, is going to succeed as an R-rated film. It's superheroes, which are so hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a comedy. And it's Ryan Reynolds. People like Ryan Reynolds. It's like created in a lab for mass appeal. I mean, I know not everybody's going to see R-rated movies, but if they're going to see one, they're for sure going to see Deadpool. Top of their list. Um so yeah, I was I was floored by that, but maybe I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. It's sometimes you just the data doesn't line up with what you think, and then you have to kind of adjust your thinking a little bit. So it tells you something also that Deadpool was the highest grossing since 2016 about R-rated movies. Yeah, about how what they're what's bringing people into the theaters to see those things. Yeah, so I could think of a just more than a dozen R-rated movies that I've seen since 2016. I'm like, wait, this the, like Deadpool is great, but I'm like, what? Yeah. Why hasn't anything else surpassed that yet until it Joker? Is, it is kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I know that that was one of the things that DC was really concerned about. They were they were concerned with putting an R rating on anything that they put out. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Phillips had to do a ton of convincing to allow them to do it. So I think I'm glad in that aspect because it means that we're going to start to get you know looser boundaries on these kind of superhero movies if they know that they can make money even with the R rating. Um, but yeah, R rating is is tough on budget. You're not gonna you're not gonna make Avengers Endgame money ever with an R rated movie. It, no chance. It, it's never gonna happen. So it's always a little bit risky. Glad to see the good movies that deserve it succeed. Um, all right, we got two reviews, Kirk. Whew, two reviews. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I had a Man. marathon day yesterday, so I went to the movies at 9 a.m. to see Zombieland. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the movies again at 9.45 p.m. to see Gemini Man. Double feature. Double feature day. And not like the fun kind of double feature where you like stay at the theater and just like hop over to the next one. Like, no. Like, yeah. You go in the morning. You go do all of your 
adult obligations during the day and then you go back in the evening and I got home at 12:30 and I was like I'm I'm dead. <laughs> I'm deceased. I went to see these 2 days apart um and both 10:30 showings. So ooh, I'm a different kind of exhausted because I got no sleep. No sleep at all. Yeah. Well, I I mean I got to tell you, I went to a 9:45 showing and I was like I don't know that I can do that again yeah. i was so tired by the end of it. it's only a two-hour movie i'm such an old man it's it's hard it really is hard some days uh i just amped myself up on caffeine as best i could and po- kept got all hopped up on mountain dew <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah that, that's that's the name of the game i had already had so much soda that day that i felt like my stomach was dying and so i was like i'm gonna drink water i needed caffeine though it was a bad choice to go with water never never drink water bad bad choice don't hydrate that's not helpful hydration yeah it's for the birds man um okay so let's can we do gemini man first let's do it are you cool with that absolutely um hit me with your tweet synopsis man my tweet synopsis for gemini man (coughs) the world's top hitman contracted through the U.S. government, comes to terms with his ghosts and retires early. Unbeknownst to him, a contingency plan was activated long ago to replicate his skills, dot, 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 and his DNA. Ooh. What do you mean by that, Kirk? Cloning. Oh. (laughs) Whoa. Cloning. There are two Will Smiths. There are lots of Will Smiths going on. All the Will Smiths. <laughs> if you like Will Smith, I've got a movie for you. Starring Will Smith and Will Smith and another Will Smith. As Will Smith. Yes. As Will Smiths. It's great. Um, <laughs> good synopsis. Mine. Henry Brogan is a retiring DIA contractor who stumbles upon a dark secret. Now, as a fugitive of the state, Henry finds himself face to face with the only enemy he may be unable to defeat. Himself. can we digest the first part of that though yes will smith powerful film career yeah why is this character's name henry henry i mean i mean no shade on like people named henry but this is an action movie i know you gotta have a cool name like i want if i go to see an action movie i want the person's name to be way cooler than mine right like i don't think i have a particular i mean i like my name i don't think i have like the world's coolest name i want them to have a name like chase yeah or like way like an action name yeah just like something that has a little zing to it your name should be close as close as possible to a verb or yeah i mean i think hank would have been better too sure absolutely especially since he's retiring he has like kind of that grizzled vet that's right but like henry was a weird choice didn't fit and you mentioned dia can you can you break that down for me yeah, I think it stood for like defensive intelligence agency or something like that. So like, is that real? No, <laughs> it's not real, Kirk. It's supposed to be like the CIA, but they called it the DIA, and I was like, but why? I was, I kind of just like forgot about it as I watched the movie, and I yeah. didn't think anything of it until now. And now I'm thinking, why? Why indeed did that happen? Why? I don't know. I really don't know. Wait, 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 wait. Is it real? Oh, no. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) It's real, Kirk. Sorry. I'm an idiot. Defense. I was like, I better fact check this or else I'm going to look really stupid. Uh, You can pretty much bet on me being wrong all the time. So (laughs) defense intelligence agency dot mil. Check it out. Well, there goes my career in criminal justice. It's a bad website, so it doesn't feel real to me. Well, it was a bad movie, so that makes sense. Oh, it's like um, 
it was it like the agency that works with contractors? I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. It's real though. It's right. real. Okay. So we just stand throw that bit throw that bit out. Still sounds dumb. Change your name, DIA. Just be a CIA agent. Don't come after me, but change your name. Yeah, I agree. Um all right, do we want to get do we want to give some more background or are we are we good? What? So, general premise of this movie is I got it. I got it. Yeah. You made a person out of another person. That's right. That's all that's, you need to know. That's a uh, real line that is said in the movie. <laughs> I know that's shocking, but it's true. Um, but yeah, literally just Henry Brogan. I, I don't even know. Like he just is like, I'm I'm retired. You know, it's kind of like every action movie ever. <laughs> and he's like, I'm retired. And then this guy's like, Oh, hey, I've got a juicy secret for you. And then now, because he knows that information, he's like being hunted down. Yes. By himself. By himself. As a younger person. A younger cloned version who is just exactly what, what's what's so great about this is that the, they obviously use the de-aging process. Will Smith has took took on both roles. Yep. And the, the cool thing is that when you've been in fil- film for so long, you know exactly what they should have looked like at the time that you're gunning for. So they went back to Fresh Prince, you know, grabbed his face and then just threw it on new Will Smith, old Will Smith. Yeah. Update. Right. It was it was interesting. Um, well, I want to get into all the de-aging and stuff. But first, let's say some good things about this movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> let's 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 say some good things. And the Oscar goes to Kirk. Who you got? You know, it was a tough one, but I had to go with Will Smith. And which Will Smith did you go with? I went. <laughs> That's not a real question. It's okay. You can just, you can just leave it at Will Smith. <laughs> I liked the middle of the Will Smith the best. <laughs> Honestly, though, I did like the older Will Smith, the who was like our present day Will Smith. Not yeah, the, not the clone Will Smith. Yeah, the clone Will Smith is different. Yeah, um, I also went with Will Smith. So there you go. I think it was the only choice, wasn't it? Yeah, no one else was as good as Will Smith. And it was the only. Sorry to just jump right into this, but like it was the only character that was decently well written. Mm-hmm. Like I actually liked Henry Brogan. I dug the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a character I've seen a thousand times, but that's not necessarily bad. I mean, we talk about it a lot. You can, if we have some familiarity with some some of the themes in the genre, like I'm okay with that. If if it's an action film, it should feel like an action film. It it doesn't. Not everything has to be super inventive and innovative. It can live within its own genre and have some of the tropes that come along with that. Yeah, they took an archetype character and they just added new elements to his story. Yeah, and he was cool. I, I dug him. I thought he had some good moments. I thought, I mean, there's a scene right at the beginning when he becomes, like, an enemy of the state where he, you know, he's living out, like, way out on his own, and he has, he, like, he notices some people on his property, and mm-hmm. he, like, goes into, like, protect this house mode, and it's awesome. Like, it's just a totally, it's a great moment, and one that would hold up against any of the great action mm-hmm. movies. Great so. action sequence, yep. So, I like this character. Anything else on Will Smith? He's solid. I, uh, Will Smith takes such good care of his characters, um, even though he's been in some real big clunkers. He always is trying hard. Yeah, he's never. It's never a throwaway. He character did not for phone him. it in for this movie. No, no, and and, and um, the young Will Smith, even still, he he differentiated the two characters, which was impressive. And yeah, um, he did a good job. Go Will t- Smith. Yeah, go Will Smith. Always. Always and forever. We're on the we're on Team Will Smith. 
Yeah. We just want him to have good movies. We're rooting for him because he, he came out guns a-blazing as a youngster and even had some some wonderful Academy Award quality yeah. uh, roles. Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, man, he should have won. He was so good. In that. I know. It's not fair. It's not. And I'm just waiting for that to happen to him again, and I hope it comes one day. He deserves it. He's still He's still a good actor. He's gotten some really bad movies, but mm-hmm. he's still a good actor. So you know, some people who have won Best Actor or Best Actress have been in some terrible movies. Like Meryl Streep has won at least three times in bad movies, but Sandra good roles. Bullock. Sandra oh. Bullock has won for bad movies. I mean, has been in bad movies. Jared Leto's been in bad movies. Matthew McConaughey's been in bad movies. Yes. So I mean, there's. It's not like there's this point of no return. Mm-hmm. Like he could still, he's still at the top of his game. I think it's coming. It's coming. Um. Okay, let's go into Scene Stealer. I want to hear your Scene Stealer, Kirk. My Scene Stealer came early on in this film. It was his partner. I think he goes by the name of Marino in the movie. Just yeah. this guy named E.J. Bonilla. I don't... He was he was like a, what is it, guiding light uh, vet. He was on this show for a long time. Okay. And uh, bravo, because sometimes when you leave the... Um, what's it called? Um, the world of soap operas, yeah. you kind of stink. You, I know, you've got like the black mark on you, like nobody nobody wants you. Yeah, there's the, what's his name, from uh, Better Call Saul, Hamill. He's terrible. Yeah. I don't like him. I know, I know. <laughs> it's it, he's, he's just been marked. But this guy, EJ, I see you. You did a great job. Yeah. And I want to see you in more stuff. He only had probably three minutes of screen <laughs> screen time. So. Before he gets off. <laughs> yeah. It's so early in the film that it's not even a spoiler because it happens just like almost immediately. It's so weird. Yeah. And they even like, okay, so he's in the very first scene of the movie, right? Yes. And you're convinced from that point. I mean, I think he might even have the first line of the movie. I'm almost positive he does. He probably does. Um, And you're like, oh, this is going to be a, he's going to be a character. And I like it. I'm like, ooh, okay, I like this character. Mm-hmm. And then he's gone. As soon as he came, he was gone, and you're like, but why? Yeah. Fun fact, he was also in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, he was Common's partner. And he, he died in that, killed too. in that, too. So that's just his role. He's just like he's like the guys in Star Trek. What is it, the red the shirts? The red shirts. They just come in, and they just get murked. <laughs> so any movie I see with him in it from here on out, I'm going to be excited, but I'm not going to get too <laughs> no, attached because he's going to be you assassinated. Can't. You just got to you gotta stay frosty. You're <laughs> like, oh, I got a bad feeling about this when EJ's around. That's right. Um, Who's your scene stealer? Well, Kirk, it's a good question, and one that... I don't know if you're going to like the answer, but I'm being kind of a jerk here. Okay. I, instead of scene stealer, I went with scene killer. Um, somebody who every time they were on the screen, they ruined the scene. Is that allowed? I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Because the supporting cast in this movie was truly abysmal. Um, and I, I, I want to, I, I hate to criticize actors cause I know they all try very hard, but the writing in this movie did no one any favors. Not even, even Will Smith's writing was like barely average mm-hmm. and he actually made it better than it was by good delivery and good timing like he turned some bad lines i'm sure he improved a little bit because everybody else's dialogue was just an atrocity of the highest order trash it was so so bad and so forced mm-hmm. i don't i don't know man anyway so our friend clive owen who is a good actor right we can say that He's a good actor. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a good actor. He, dude, not in this. He was bad. He played um, the head of this organization called Gemini. Which, yes. 
you can probably see where this is going, um, which, uh, you know, created the clone. And every time he was on the screen, the delivery was bad. Dude, even, and this is really crazy, but even the physical acting was bad. And he wasn't being asked to do anything crazy except for, like, sit down, stand up, walk around a room. <laughs> and it felt so awkward. And I don't know if I should attribute that to him. I don't know if I should attribute it to Ang Lee. Was it a bad costume? Like I was like, dude, did Ang Lee like wake up one morning and be like, oh, crap, that's due today? You know, yeah. like this movie? Like it was just like a, oh, crap, I was supposed to throw this movie together. Yeah. That's what it felt like because it was really sloppy. Fun fact about this movie. This idea came in the 90s, in the 1990s. And Disney originally had this movie on lock for them. Oh, weird. I wonder why they uh, got rid of that one. (laughs) Um, Clint Eastwood was also the original intended director. Oh, goodness. Can you imagine how slow this would have been? It would have been so much. It would have been even more boring, Kirk. And then Nicolas Cage was attached to play instead of Will Smith. Well, that actually makes perfect sense. I mean, actually, this feels like a Nick Cage movie. Like, I have to say, it honestly just feels like a Nicolas Cage movie to me. Dude, the list goes on and on. Here's some other random fun facts. Uh, Johnny Depp was asked to play this role, and he said no. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, absolutely not. Was he asked recently, or when was it? Was it when he had money or when he went bankrupt? Well, they they did not disclose that. Because if he turned it down recently, that is quite an indictment on this film yeah i bet it's when he was like in the thick of pirates of the caribbean yeah and then also nicholas cage when he was attached to this movie asked jerry bruckheimer the producer to produce a different movie instead of this one if that tells you how horrible the production of this yeah he was like yeah so about that movie it's really bad but if you have some money to throw around i've got maybe another idea for you that's right um okay well that's good to know that's good context the movie felt bad i don't know how this idea could have possibly been kicked around for the better part of 20 or 30 years <laughs> and still be as underdeveloped as it was right. like this movie had and i'm i'm bouncing all around but like this movie had virtually no plot <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there is the central plot that we told you about and that is it mcguffin all this is that is just the vehicle for will smith to beat <laughs> will smith up they're like okay so got this really sweet idea we're gonna have one guy being chased around by a younger version of himself that's a clone. I'm like, if I'm in the room, I'm like, okay, I like where this is going. This is good. Yeah. And then they're like, but then that's like what they use as the basis to make all the rest of their decisions, which was a terrible choice. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as, it's like, instead of them being prepared to answer the question of like, well, why is he being chased around or whatever? It's like they started with that and then they were like, all right, so now why would he be getting chased? You know, like they, they built it backwards, yeah. and that is where this went horribly wrong. It did. It went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, oh, man. Okay. Where, where are we even? I think we're on Showstopper. Okay. I do have something. I am going to say something nice about this movie oh, good. Showstopper. That's good. You should. Yeah, I will. You're really mean about this. I don't know I, why. I've been kind of cruel to it. It's understandable, though. What's your Showstopper? This had some beautiful aspect ratio. What? This film was shot in 4K 3D. This is the second Mm. film that Angley has shot. I forget the name of the first, but it was just a few years ago. Billy Lynn's something or other. Oh. And uh, it was beautiful. Opening shot, 
is absolutely stunning and it, it doesn't stop there even in the big cgi scenes you see the baseline and, the, and the, the background for the for those shots and it's absolutely incredible to watch the biggest bummer is that we also found out about uh this movie that no theater would be showing it in the way that would display how it was filmed so we lose all we lose that much more pixels we lose that much more oh my depth. gosh uh, as we're watching this but you could you could tell you could tell it was different you could tell it was crisper you could tell it had like a 4k value based on the what is it the blur the um the pixel smoothing the pixel smoothing right so i just wish that they had figured a way out to release this in a way that we could see it as it was intended but you got the you got kind of a uh, a little bit of it uh reminded me of when i saw years ago my bloody valentine the remake and it was shot in 3d and there were all these times where there were 3D moments, and you're like, man, wish I would have been in the 3D theater for this to see that moment happen. And yeah. I, as this movie happened, and some of the action shots, when there's like motorcycles flying at you, you're like, but that was really cool in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, this was supposed to be 3D. Gotcha. Yes. And there was even a 3D recycling thing at my theater outside. I was like, wait, I didn't get my glasses. And I went in, and my eyes weren't blurry, so I was I was like, all right. You're let's. like, oh, I guess we're good. Yeah. But I, should, I wish they would have had a 3D viewing, a 4K yeah. 3D viewing. So it it was it was shot high resolution. looked good. Mm-hmm. It looked good. I am not a fan of motion smoothing. That's mm-hmm. kind of a hot take. But the way that this works, I read about this a while ago, when I got a 4K TV because I was having the blur. And the way that it works is like you, your brain is used to watching things at a certain frame rate. Mm-hmm. And so when that frame rate is accelerated dramatically, your mind is used to filling in the gaps in the frames. And so whenever the frames actually match up with what you're used to seeing in real life, it creates a blur effect. Yeah. Because your brain is smart enough that it's trying to anticipate what it's going to see. So this really happens when you watch a soccer game, like more so than anything. The ball looks like fuzzy (laughs) as it goes across. Um, But you can teach your brain (laughs) to see 4k correctly by not doing motion by turning off the motion smoothing thing on your tv and just watching 4k enough to where your brain adjusts to it um when they use motion smoothing you get this what people call the soap opera effect Mm -hmm. and i hate it (laughs) 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 just to like put it simply like still to this day I don't like it. Oh, right. Yeah. See, I used to hate it, and then I, I'm coming around to it. I don't know why. Yeah, I thought, because they're trying to, like, it just gives it a really artificial look, because yeah. they are artificially rendering it in a way that our brains can fathom, Yeah. while also still being high resolution, and so that artificial look just really gets to me. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree. I don't think every film should be... Um, in 4k i i also wonder how long 4k will run its course much Mm like 3d televisions in your own home yeah um i don't think though anyone buys those anymore correct (laughs) yeah (laughs) they don't produce them they don't buy them anymore so i thought this one was a good fit for it yeah Um, but yeah maybe it will look better at home on my tv with the motion smoothing thing turned off that is true (laughs) (laughs) because then you'll get like a close-up aspect ratio how it was intended on a 4k tv instead of projected out yes okay but i do agree that it was shot well yes i thought that the the aspect ratio was spot that bit was spot on i was Mm -hmm. just i you mentioned motion smoothing and i was like i want to get your take on this because yep 
it's just an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I talked to Jackie about it. She doesn't even see it. You know, she just she doesn't see the soap opera effect. Oh wow! No, I can I can tell. But some people just can't. It just it just depends on how you ingest it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Um, okay, my showstopper. Here's mm-hmm. my nice thing. I'm gonna say, the gunfight choreography was really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, not the hand fighting choreography. I want to make that distinction nope. because all the fist fights or any sort of physical altercation was really bad <laughs> and like. It was almost like watching a fight in an airplane where like ridiculous pe- things are happening to people, you know, <laughs> like they're or uh, like naked gun. Um, yes. You know, like somebody gets pushed and they like fall out a window really dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> it was like things like that were happening. And I was like, OK, but the gunfights were really, really cool. The first one that happens between Will Smith and Will Smith in that courtyard in that like South American country. I don't know where exactly it is. Yep. Um, Colombia, possibly. No, no I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Colombia in South America. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, You're right goodness. about that. You're right about that. <laughs> um, but they're just like running up and down the stairs, jumping off of roofs. They're you know they're shooting at each other, and it was really cool. Yeah. There's one part where Will Smith throws a grenade and it bounces off the wall, and uh, other Will Smith shoots it with a gun and it pops back at him. Really, really cool. I mm-hmm. thought that was a smart idea. Um, so I dug that. And that, they had me early on, man. I was like that. That scene, up to that scene, I was in. I was in it to win it. Yeah. Um. But then it was after that where the wheels came off. Yep. Then they had more character development scenes with absolutely atrocious dialogue. Yeah, character development is a pretty kind term to use for <laughs> what they did. It was like, oh man, I don't know. You know, I was probably uh, I would think we it, it all the wheels fall off at the same time, right? So I was pretty excited, and then. There was a motorcycle fight. There was a fight with an actual motorcycle. Yeah. Can you like, cause whenever you say that to people who don't know, they're probably like, okay, sure. Yeah. They're like fighting on motorcycles. No, they're not. No. Are they? What no. are they doing with the motorcycle? Well, first old Will Smith <laughs> falls off a motorcycle, no helmet, no pads going like 90 miles an hour and recovers immediately he ragdolls around in a way that looks so artificial motion smoothing yes that looks so artificial that i was like okay then he pops up younger will smith's on his motorcycle comes at him at one point basically slaps him in the face with the wheel he legitimately slaps him in the face (laughs) with the back wheel twice oh gosh and then he like he sweeps his leg with it as well and then he's like lifting the motorcycle off the ground and like going toward old will smith's crotch on top of a car oh man it's just so strange and bad yeah they still hadn't fully lost me at that point i was like okay that was strange but you know let's maybe it's just one scene so as you're watching this you're thinking oh, that could happen is that what is that what went through your mind no okay good <laughs> I never once had that thought. You know, I like, was like, how did he smack him in the face with the tire of a motorcycle twice? That was insane. And let's say that were even possible. Will Smith should be dead. Old Will Smith should be absolutely dead. Well, yeah, at the very least concussed. Yes. I mean, he just got smacked in the face with a motorcycle. <laughs> just an <laughs> like, absurd that's, scene. That's tough. That's going to hurt. And I mean, he had some scrapes, but he just kept kept trucking, man. Just yeah. kept rolling. And then from that scene, I was like, oh, this this could be a cool subplot. All right, so we got a clone, but is Will Smith also like a superhuman? Yeah, that would like, be cool. Would they inject him with something? Yeah. Super, never happens. Super serum or something? No, it doesn't. 
Um, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> this seems like a good time to get in director's shoes. Let's which do it. is, what would we change about this movie? What do you got? All of it? No. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, my director's shoes um, are kind of rooted in so many different changes could have happened to this movie. You know what? The biggest change that I was thinking about this, I just remembered, is that what if they had marketed this movie where they said, it's just Will Smith, he's a retiring hitman, and there's a conspiracy theory that someone sets him up. Done. Say nothing about the cloning. So I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And I'll piggyback on that. Go for it. Just, if you're going to go with as little plot as they have, go less. Yeah. And go like low dialogue, almost like Will Smith out on his own and being chased by this guy and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. And you're only finding out like bits and pieces throughout. Yeah. That would have been sick. Yes. Because I the, the whole time I was thinking, man, they have a lot of ground to cover to get this thing like to where it would actually be good. Like it's not even close. But then I was like, well, wait, what if they instead of going the one way and like building it out more, what if they just like stripped it down? Mm hmm. And I liked that one. Yeah. I liked that idea. But you're you're right. We knew the clone was coming the whole time, so the reveal sucks. Yes. It's not, you know, not it's even, not impactful. There's a later reveal in this movie, Cameron. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that one's the worst. Somebody literally laughed out loud in my theater. <laughs> like, hard laughed. We're just going to tell you guys uh, right now, the the twist of this movie is that there are more... <laughs> Than two Will Smiths. That's right. I bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> There's actually more Will Smiths. At least we see at least three Will Smiths on the screen at one time, and they allude to there are there are more. <laughs> yeah. So the grand master plan was to make an army of Will Smiths. Yes. Um. <laughs> I imagine the Attack of the Clone scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with Will Smith's face on all. <laughs> if somebody hasn't done that online, I'd be shocked. I bet they. I bet they did. Um. Okay, let me go with my director's shoes. Go for it. I already gave it. It was stripping <laughs> it down and just having it be... Yeah. Yeah. Because, Less is more. Um, I actually thought this would work really well as a short film. Like a 15-minute short mm -hmm. where you just start off with Will Smith and he's in his house. It starts with that scene where he's in his house and he's on the run. Mm -hmm. And we never get Mary Elizabeth Winstead because she was awful and that character was awful. And Agreed. I wanted nothing to do with that. And it's just him. And he's on the run. And then, like, at 10 minutes into the 15-minute thing, you get the clone reveal. And then they're, like, trying to understand each other for the rest of the time. That, that I like that. I'm in. I'll see that movie. Yes. We should make a super cut. We should. <laughs> we should just we, – we could actually probably make a decently good movie by taking the existing movie and cutting out a good amount of it. Mm -hmm. Let's try that. I have video editing software. We can make this happen. I'm ready. Okay. Score. Let's score it. Go. All things considered, this is an action movie. I'm going to go 4.4 kernels. 4.4. Okay. Because mm -hmm. you were... I was intrigued you were in, the whole you time. You were entertained. Despite all of the horrible things in it, I would definitely watch this if it were a Netflix movie or a Hulu movie or a Prime movie. Yeah. It was just interesting enough for you to be like, I want to see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you get there, you're not happy that you stayed to see where <laughs> it was going, but you're like, 
It keeps you there till the end. I'll also say, like, this movie did not do well in the box office, but my theater at 1030 was half full. Was it? Yes. Lots of uh, Will Smith fans in the house. Lots. I mean, one man was snoring audibly loud through the oh, half of the movie. Nice. That's a nice touch. That he, was probably me. He missed the twist. Oh, <laughs> he's going to be ticked. When he wakes up and finds out that twist, he's going to be livid. Yes. Um, I'll go quick. I'm going to give it a 3.1. Love it. And that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> Gemini Man, do not see it. <laughs> is that is that a lot? Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely, we can say whatever we want. If you want to talk about this movie, let's talk about it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Next, we've got Zombie Land Dose Double Tap. Mm-hmm. Let's just jump right into it, man. Synopsis and two hundred eighty characters. You want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Ten years after the events of Zombieland, Columbus, Wichita, Little Rock, and Tallahassee have finally found peace and quiet in their zombie-infested world. Or so they thought. Zombies are evolving, relationships are changing, and home seems farther away than ever in Zombieland 2. Oh, I really like that one. Home seems farther away Mm. than ever. Mm -mm -mm. That was creative. (sighs) Thank you. I do not have a good synopsis. This, this was a, actually this was a really hard movie to to synops. <laughs> <laughs> is that a word? I don't think that is. Um, so forget I said that. But it was. I had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with it. I think it's a word. Okay, go. It is now. We regroup with our average Joe heroes of the apocalypse. Ten years from where we left them, the group faces new life and zombie challenges as they continue to evolve on this new spectrum of life. Mmm, spectrum. Good word. Word Thanks. of the day. I like that. All right. So this one picks up where, not where we left off. It picks up a full ten years later. So they actually time jumped with us. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're just living the life, you know. They're just they're just living the life. But the cool thing, the coolest addition into this movie was that the zombies have there are new types of zombies, and they start the movie with that concept. And right away, I was like bought in on that. Yes, I was like, cool. We're actually like changing things up. It's not just same old, same old. I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, let's jump into the Oscar goes to now that we've laid the groundwork. This one's so easy. Go ahead, Kim. I think that you think I'm going to go with somebody else. Oh. <laughs> you think I'm going to say Woody Harrelson, don't you? I do think you're going to say I'm that. actually going to say Emma Stone. Okay, okay. Because while Woody Harrelson assuredly carries this movie, I thought that Emma Stone actually gave us the best performance because mm-hmm. she has to go through the biggest character development mm-hmm. of any character, I think, in this movie. And I thought she was really good. Um, I think her character in the first movie never really got the depth that we needed. And it was really cool how she picked up the, like, you have to remember, like, Zombieland 1 was so early on in her career. Like, she wasn't a huge star yet. Right. And it was clear that she, like, went back and watched the tape and, like, recreated this character. Because having just watched Zombieland 1, I was picking up on all of the different, like, movements and kind of like micro expressions of her character that she was able to carry over into this movie and just like how she carried herself and how she spoke and um i thought she was great she was funny she was serious whenever she needed to be she drove the plot in the stone mm-hmm. yeah i love how she slipped you're exactly right slipped right back into her character it was so seamless and for other people it was not abigail breslin that was tough sorry Abby. yeah i know it was bad I, I i was surprised by that i really was but it, it it was 
a noticeably tough performance for her. It's worth saying that every one of these main four actors has been nominated for an Academy Award. Yes. Every one of them. Deservingly so. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I went with Woody Harrelson, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's a good that. choice. It's a good choice. The story, uh, very much so, he's he's the catalyst behind a lot of the plot lines. And, you know, Woody, is, Woody Harrelson's like America's best kept secret for the longest time. He only really exploded over the past, like, six years. Yeah, but it's he's, crazy. He's been in cinema for so much longer, and I'm really excited to just see all the different things he does, because he he definitely plays different characters but there's something about him that he brings to the table every time like his own personality that is just this x factor that you want to see you want to see the real woody harrelson come out in his characters sometimes yeah and he brings it and he knows how to just delicately just give that to everyone in every character so woody harrelson all the way i loved every moment that he spoke on this uh whether it was just creating new new um new uh, insults to call his yes. his friends slash family <laughs> yeah or whether it was just like these these heavy pointed moments of uh of of sadness in the film too yeah yeah that's really good um i'll pile on i'm gonna jump right into scene stealer because i had woody harrelson as my scene stealer mm-hmm. um he's the comedic force of this movie he is responsible in some part for every funny moment that happens in this movie. And he just makes some of them hilarious. Yes. This movie, it's really hard. Like a movie can be decently funny without having hard laugh out loud moments. This movie had a lot of laugh out loud moments. Um, the, the theater that I was in was very much alive at 9am in the morning watching this one. Nice. Um, and he, they challenged him in this role. I think they wrote it in a way that he had to do, a lot of different things like physically acting, you know, he had lots of like fight choreography and different cool things that he had to do, but he also had to build relationships with new characters more so than the others, um, which was really interesting. He has a, um, when they meet Rosario Dawson's character, Nevada, mm-hmm. right. Um, he is like the sole owner of that relationship and our experience with that character. And he does a great job. Um, yes. It's a totally different side of Tallahassee that we haven't seen before, but one that just felt really natural and really good. And when he's on the screen, you're just smiling. And that's always my, that's always my pick for scene stealer. Like whoever just grabs your attention while they're on the screen, whether they're talking or not, that's who I go with. And that was definitely Woody. Great choice. I had to go Rosario Dawson. For it's this. a good pick. I love it. I, I was convinced early on in my childhood that she was one of the worst actresses ever. And she very well may have not had the best roles or the ones that I had seen her in, but I just hated her. And she really grew on me through all the Marvel series because it could have been partly because everyone else was terrible in some of those, (laughs) (laughs) especially with freaking Iron Fist. And, uh, but she, she really just came into this calm, cool and collected, knew exactly what she wanted to do. Uh, had the right direction and she felt like part of the group the entire time yeah she did she just like totally jumped right in mm-hmm. and was like the perfect like yin to woody harrelson's yang and they just yeah. like totally clicked um it, she was a great addition I, yeah and uh i, I don't want to get into uh director's shoes too much but i can just tell you that she's gonna her character has an appearance in my director's shoes Excellent. At some point. So there's a little teaser for you. See you soon in like 25 <laughs> seconds, in Rosario. like 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. Let's jump into Showstoppers. Showstopper. Um, for me, this is going to feel like kind of a cop-out because it's kind of what defines the 
zombie land i guess you could call it a franchise now i mean there's two right so mm-hmm. i'll call it a, i'll call it a franchise the zombie land universe <laughs> yeah the zombie land <laughs> extended universe um it's the stylistic approach to the movie it's the um you know we talked about the text on screen before but just like the animated graphics making them not look like crap and actually making them look cool the cutaways to like zombie kill of the week um the slow motion intro with music while they're having the zombie fight like it all looked really good and it all felt very zombie land um kudos to ruben fleischer for really committing to making this feel like a continuation of zombie land that's gonna that's a tough that's honestly a tough gig 10 years removed um and i thought that that was brilliant um so i'm giving him a little bit of of credit for just level of difficulty on making it feel so natural and I really enjoyed it. The style was just totally zombie land, and it felt awesome. Mm-hmm. I've got kind of two. I think I always have two. Whoops. You do oh. have a lot. Yeah, I like it, though. Oh, well. So here's my first one was the like the showstopper scene was when they're, there's a moment when they're on an RV, and they are kind of just attacking this horde, like fighting back this horde of zombies that's yeah. coming at them. And it really showed how much they've grown, how militarized they've become in their own little group, how they can defend themselves. Uh, we see, I almost said Mark Zuckerberg. We see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all That's all I ever think of when I see Jesse Eisenberg too. Like straight up. I, sh- I, I, I thought about that. We should have a zombie land where he plays Mark Zuckerberg. He plays Mark Zuckerberg in the zombie apocalypse. Yes. Yep. Love it. I'm down. <laughs> zombie land three, Mark Zuckerberg. We, just, we do the same thing as Gemini Man, only Jesse Eisenberg plays Columbus and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um jesse eisenberg climbs on top of an rv and he's directing his team like that's his role but he's also taking out zombies and it's just a it's really cool very well orchestrated uh you feel like you're spinning with them as they're defending themselves and just you see them um, support one another and fight for one another all while just throwing crazy antic uh one-liners at each other that all work and all the jokes land so bravo to all of them on that my second one yeah i am i don't know if i've said this before Maybe I have. I'm a big Elvis fan. Okay. I'm yeah, a, sure. I'm a pretty big Elvis Presley fan. And uh, there's um, a big part of the plot that uh, is like um, honoring like the love of Elvis. And we even see um, uh, like an homage to um, to Graceland. And they did a great job on the production value of that. I felt like I was sitting in Elvis Presley's house. Yeah, it felt very, uh, it did feel very Gracelandy. Yeah. Have you been to Graceland? Yes. Loved it. One time is very cool. Very I've been cool. one time as well. I uh, I don't think I could fully appreciate it. I don't know. It's it's hard to fully appreciate it when you didn't like live in that era. And my parents weren't like the world's biggest Elvis fans growing up or anything. And so that was like most of what I know about Elvis came from Graceland. I didn't like have a bunch of pre-existing knowledge, but it was still just really cool. Yeah, it's it was, it was awesome. I, I loved the Elvis the Elvis vibes and uh, the Jungle Room and oh, it was so great. So yeah, bravo to them. Yeah, I want to piggyback on your first showstopper because you made a really good point. Um, Thank and you. And that was, yeah, always always trying to, uh, you know, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Pat my back. Yes, that's right. Just trying to <laughs> pat, pat you on the back there, Kirk. <laughs> I'm really struggling with the words today. But you made a really good point about um, that fight sequence. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was good about it is that it's the subtlety of it. You know, like that scene could probably just um, slip into the background if you're not thinking about it. But what it accomplishes is that it shows that, hey, they've survived for another 10 years in the zombie apocalypse. How are they doing it? 
And that's an important thing because those are the kind of things that you have to have that level of attention to detail to make a movie that seamlessly, you know, falls right behind the next, like behind the first movies to have the sequel because people will have those thoughts while they're watching the movie. It's like, well, they're not even good at you know surviving. So how did they make it this long? Like people will, and that can ruin the effect of your movie. So yes. taking that approach and making it subtle. Um, sometimes what you see is, is people add those things into movies to tell you like, get it. And then they kind of beat you over the head with it. You know, they're like, see, this is how they did this. But um, the way that they did it in this movie was always very subtle and, but also tactical, mm-hmm. which I liked. All right, let's jump into director shoes. I'm on pins and needles. What's your Rosario Dar- Dawson? Okay, so they introduce a couple of new characters in this mo- in this movie. Um, and hopefully this isn't like... Well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything that might be a spoiler. But mm-hmm. we don't get enough time with any of them. Because um, all of the new characters that they introduce are really fun. I, I enjoy every single one of them. And there is a, a couple of characters that just aren't in there for very long. And it feels like um, it's a weird comparison. But you know the animated film Jungle Book? Yes. Yeah. So so Jungle Book, when Mowgli's just kind of like going through his adventure and it's like very much like Odysseus, like he encounters one thing and then he goes past and you never see that thing again. Like that's what was happening in this movie. Like they'd encounter someone and – like some people would stick around, but other people would just go away and you're like, Oh man, I kind of wish they would have stuck around. Like that would have been cool for the, you know, the finale of this movie or whatever. Right. Um, and so I liked all the characters they introduced. I wish we would have gotten more time with them. And I feel like we didn't get as much screen time as I would have preferred. That's That's my director shoes. I love it. I think that you're spot on. Um, one of the things that I had was that they definitely dug too deep into the fourth joke in in this Mm. Um, so the fourth joke so comedy is done in rounds of three so you have three times to hit something you hit it once it lands you hit it a second time it's like oh that's familiar you hit it a third time and a little bit of a variety of that and that's it if you do it again you're milking it and they definitely did that several times throughout this movie particularly with some of their new characters. Yeah, that's fair. Because I was excited about these new characters too. And then in some scenes, they hit that fourth joke and I'm like, dang it, if they just would have held back, I would have liked that scene that much more. (laughs) So, but again, they didn't destroy it, but uh, it would have been all the more powerful because they had had the same old gags that made it work from the first one. And they they executed those seamlessly, and they had these new ones that most of them landed, and then just a couple weren't my favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's my director's shoes. Okay, I like it. Um, let's jump into scores. This, so this is not a perfect movie. No, there's actually plenty to pick apart. And so whenever I saw that, um, I saw a couple of my favorite critics review this movie and have like less than high scores on it. And I totally got it. Like there is certainly an argument to be made that this movie was not necessary. There's an argument to be made of like, what did we actually accomplish from start to finish in this movie? Um, th- so there's a lot of that. And there, like you said, there are jokes that don't land. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but at the end of the day, it's a zombie land movie. It's a pretty good one. I laughed out loud quite a few times. I had a pretty good time just in general watching it. I was mostly just really happy to be getting more of these characters because the characters are what make it. Um, and so for that reason, I am going to give it a 7.6. It 
it just just barely not in the elite category but i think that's just because um sequels are hard and it's hard to make the stakes as high and it's hard to you have the trade-off of like i want to go far and do new things but i don't want to go too far it's it's tough you have to make decisions sometimes decisions are made for financial reasons because you want to keep the cash rolling in i think there was a little bit of that going on in this movie um so for that reason i'm giving a 7.6 out of 10 solid yeah this absolutely is a good time this movie is fun you will laugh out loud i'm kind of bummed my theater not lively at all lame i was pretty sad you know i was laughing out loud and then i felt like a creep because i went there by myself it's like midnight and i'm like okay you were like walking phoenix and the joker (laughs) (laughs) and they're like what's wrong with you dude that would have actually been an all-time great troll by you oh those people would have deserved it if you go to the movie you see a comedy Come on. I mean, Woody Harrelson lights up the screen. I mean, everyone has some really, some really, um, you know, gut wrenching moments of just laughter. Yeah. Or side splitting moments, rather. Gut busting. <laughs> gut busting. Oh, phrases. <laughs> and uh, so this is a good time. If you like zombie movies, it's it's definitely wor- worth the watch. Uh, definitely um, go see it. 7.5 squeaked in right underneath you. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We're, uh, we're right in line there. I'm a little bit surprised by that because this, I felt like this was a tough. I had a hard time reviewing it. Mm-hmm. Just I well, I should say I had a hard time scoring it because I I did really enjoy it, but I also while enjoying it could see what was wrong with it. Yeah. So it's it's an it was an interesting case. But the biggest point for my score was because they did such a good job as the continuation. Like yeah. this is the next chapter, and that's what this is all about. It was pretty smooth. If you like Zombieland, you're gonna enjoy this. So yeah. you should and and you should definitely check it out. Don't miss it if you if you are a fan of the first one. All right, I'm so pumped for our top five. I've been like waiting this whole time because I made this list and I'm like having a I for I have a list in front of me of like 15 people and I'm gonna have to narrow it down to five while as we go here, but I can't wait to talk about this. If you, I would say that any of my close friends would tell you that they have had some sort of zombie apocalypse scenario conversation with me at one point or another. It's one of my favorite topics. I love to talk about it. I love to analyze it. Mm-hmm. So this top five is top five celebrities you'd want to be paired with for the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. This is important. There are rules to this. As with every top five we do. I messed this up at first. You don't get all five. You're not creating a team. You, It's you and one other person. And you have to rank the people in order of who you would want most. Yep. Makes sense? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Do it. Number five. Jennifer Garner. All right. <laughs> Explain. Uh, one word, alias. Oh, good call. Dog. She destroys. She is a secret agent in that in that show. She also has like s- sort of like secret powers. She's like the chosen one in that series. Mm. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen that 2003 show. Um, it's a good one. Man, I was just getting ready to watch Alias. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kirk. <laughs> and... Just saying, there are there is a zombie theme. There actually are zombies at one point, zombie-like characters. Oh, so she's got experience. She's got experience for that too. That's but good. Re- really, she's just a master class in all things uh, martial arts, and she could totally destroy anyone. I like it. It's yeah. a good pick. It's um not not when it, when you first said it, everybody everybody has their picks and their personal. I'm gonna have someone here that you're gonna be like, wait, what? Yeah. But I like the rationale. Thanks. Good. All right, number five. This is tough. This is tough. I am going to go with Kathy Bates. <laughs> That's what? right. Dude. 
Tell me Kathy Bates would not be a total stud in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> she is, A, an amazing actor. She's incredible. She has given me so many bone-chilling experiences in her acting performances that I was like, she's got what it takes. In Misery, she breaks a dude's ankles with a hammer and a block of wood. Like, she's got it figured out. She, if, you, if you're doing those kinds of unconventional torture things in movies, you've got it. Plus... I would feel very safe around her. Mm-hmm. If oh, if we got into like a negotiation situation, you know she's got the chops to just take care of it. Absolutely, she would just bulldoze them into just giving she's them. She's gonna, she's gonna terrify them. She's gonna manipulate them because a lot of the zombie apocalypse, as we've learned from The Walking Dead and other such um, content, it's a lot about meeting other people and dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not not as much about the zombies. So sometimes you're in a situation where you've got a group of nasty people you got to deal with. I think Kathy Bates could hand her, handle herself. I think she's going to be calm, cool, collected. That's and then when she's five. not, she's going to just kill people and with her hammer. Yes, sledgehammer. Boom. That's a great choice. I laughed, but it's a good one. That's right. <laughs> I got to go with number four. Got to go Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's brandishing a knife. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Killing for sport, Shia LaBeouf. It's <laughs> my favorite line. Killing for sport. Yeah. Um, well, we all know that Shia LaBeouf can go off the rails at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And I want that in the zombie apocalypse because there's a moment where you just need to unleash all remaining adrenaline in your body to just destroy a horde that's coming at you, a horde of zombies. Uh, because we've seen it time and time again where you're in this almost impossible situation and you just have to off like 100 zombies at the last second. Shia LaBeouf could summon that strength. He could summon that power. Yeah, he, you got to have a little bit of crazy with you. Exactly. You know, I want him by my side. I also think he'd have some great stories to tell. Oh, the best. Yeah. And we know he's a good motivator, right? With the, Just <laughs> do it. Like if I was like in a corner, out of ammo, I know he could make me rise yeah. above my station. <laughs> when morale is low, he's yes. going to be like, yesterday you said tomorrow. <laughs> and it's gonna that's going to get you going. Oh, man. All Shia. right. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I'm, I'm actually pretty jelly of that one. <laughs> um, number four, I'm going with Jason Statham. Solid choice. Because the dude is just a machine. He would like kill zombies just using his feet, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like he would spend the whole time just like like back kicking zombies in the head and their head would go flying off. Yes. Or just like doing a jumping martial arts kick right to the nose, just killing them all over the place. So like on that front he's got you covered. You might think, if he's that cool, why isn't he number one? This is a question that I dealt with internally as well mm-hmm. and i think the thing is i just can't trust him you know mm. just he's he's got a not very trustworthy face on him and so when the going gets tough and we know that it does in the zombie apocalypse kirk i don't have confidence that he wouldn't leave me in the dust he's shifty he's also almost certainly faster than me so if we get in a situation if we get in a uh, shane situation Ooh. with that guy in season two what was that guy's name Otis. Otis. If we get in a Shane and Otis situation, I'm Otis and I'm gone with with uh, Jason Statham. He but, would absolutely ditch anybody for sure. Yeah, but I'll take my chances because I know that there's no chance I'm dying if he is on my side. Like, mm. there's no chance. He's just going to wreck zombies. It wouldn't even matter how many we're surrounded by. You just go full 
crouching tiger hidden dragon and just knock them all out yeah jason statham my on number three number three aubrey plaza okay <laughs> go on also I'm, I'm glad that you picked jason statham and he's got some shadiness to him aubrey plaza absolutely would have some shadiness to her it's a good point but she is i feel like she's connected to that those types of things like the darkness of the world mm-hmm. um because she's kind of bat loony you know yeah. i i just feel that she would be able to um use her crazy powers and tell us where to go mm-hmm. um use her powers to she'd s- be able to think like a zombie yes yeah i i imagine 100 percent aubrey plaza is dousing herself in zombie guts and we're gonna walk around as uh, like the whisperers uh, from yeah, Walking Dead yeah. for the rest of our lives and be completely unharmed I like it. Yeah, and she just cracks me up with her completely non sequitur statements. So I'd be <laughs> laughing the whole time too. <laughs> yeah, she's just she's hilarious. So it'd be a good time. I don't think she has a fighting bone in her body. Um, I can't remember if if oh she, I don't know man if I've seen her in anything with action. Or... I think I think she could do it. I mean, she's very small, which is tough. Yeah, but but that means she can probably like jump on someone's face and like rip them to shreds. Well, and also um, remember Zombieland number one rule cardio. Yes. So. When you're, if you're uh, slim, slender, and mm-hmm. you're little, you're agile. I mean, that's that's honestly a good good place to be. Yep. Because a lot of zombies, most zombies are slow. There are certain interpretations in which they're very fast. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I like it. She would definitely leave me in the dust whenever she felt like it, though. Not even for like a reason to survive. She'd probably just want to see what I looked like getting eaten. So that's kind of the downfall of my pick. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. Your um, number three. My number three. Oh man, I'm having some regret. I almost want to do like three A, three B, but no, I'll do I'll do my number three. You can do A and B. Remember my no, Star Wars pick. It's okay. It's okay. My number three. I'll I'll just cover it in the honorable mentions. Okay. My number three is Paul Rudd. Nice. Paul Rudd. You know, after Ant Man, he's ripped. Okay, so that's important. He's gonna be able to. He's gonna be able to help out on the physical side. But also, just wouldn't he be awesome to hang out with? Yes. I mean, it's the end of the world. It's gonna be super bleak, and he's just a positive guy. He's uplifting. He's hilarious. I think it'd be a blast. Oh yeah. I mean, we we probably wouldn't even realize it was a zombie apocalypse. We'd be having so much fun just chatting, wandering <laughs> around. You know, it'd be it'd be a good time. He'd probably be like naming the zombies and be like, "Oh hey, Fred." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, Smash. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I think that. I mean, now I'm like talking to myself into making it number one, but no, I think it would be good. Mm-hmm. I, I want Paul Rudd on my team. Excellent, excellent choice. Number number two, my number two. It's getting tough. It's getting tough up here. I know. At the top of the line, um, mm, it's too much pressure. Too much pressure. I'm gonna go Michael B. Jordan. Mm, I like it. My man. He yeah. he has just always been on my radar of just like popping into shows and movies at like the start of his career before everyone realized how good he was. And I'm so glad they did. Uh, uh, that has nothing to do with his zombie f- fighting. But I think that because he's absolutely just jacked from being Killmonger in uh, Black Panther that he yeah. could rip these things to shreds. Yeah. Um, he's also such a cool dude. He is a cool guy. He's way cooler than me. I'd love to get some cool tips from him. Yeah. He seems like he'd be fun to hang out with. Yeah. He's got good acting range. Also would help with the negotiating side. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's played a wide variety of characters. Oh, yeah. He's young. He's spry. You know, if you're in it for the long haul and you got to have somebody by your side. He could, like, climb over a fence and then pull me over 
because I can't climb a fence. Right. So I'd be I'd be all there for that. Michael B. Jordan for the win. I like it. I like that choice. Okay. Now I have three people that are fighting for two spots. Ouch. And it's going to be tough. But I'll tell you my rationale for why I left one person off and in the honorable mentions. Okay. Number two, Sally Field. <laughs> That's right, Kirk. Sally Field. That's that makes way less sense <laughs> than anyone you've said before. <laughs> well, let me let me talk to you about this one. Sally Field. She is the ultimate fighter of adversity. She she you know, somebody once said in a Oscar speech, I can't remember who it was, but I loved it, that Sally Field waged war on typecasting, that she was cast in all these different roles. I think that's because she just loves a challenge. Yeah. She likes adversity. <laughs> And she's a winner. And you have to have a winner if you're in the zombie apocalypse. Also, I same reason as Kathy Bates, I think that she could be really good in negotiation situation. She's got a little bit of crazy in her, which is very good. You gotta have some crazy. Yes. But not not too much crazy. She can she can she's in control of it. She can turn it on, turn it off, which is good because I wouldn't want her, you know, Shia LaBeouf, not to criticize your list. Mm, yeah. Wild card. He could turn on you at any moment. You never mm-hmm. know. Uh, Sally Field's not going to do that. Also, she just has like a very comforting feeling to her. Yeah. It would be like almost like it'd be like having your mom with you for the <laughs> zombie apocalypse. And I think that that's an important thing. You can't undervalue that. That's a good call. Um, I have no doubt. I mean, I know that you're probably thinking, well, Sally Field has been around for a little while. She's probably not the best in a fight. I guarantee she's hitting dimes with a pistol. <laughs> like. 100 percent you would hand it to her and you'd be like i wonder how sally field's gonna do with this pistol and she'd just pop it off it'd be amazing yeah just make sure you don't have any of her triggers for sybil uh like the candy cane and yeah well you do have to be careful about that it's a good call you might set her off you never know um good call but that's my number two sally field wow that was a that was a doozy (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you uh number one number one the man the myth the legend Andrew Lincoln. Andy. Rick Grimes, y'all. Mm-hmm. There's no better. There's Coral. <laughs> Coral. <laughs> I could listen to you say that all day. <laughs> let's let's release like a 10-minute podcast yeah, just, of you just saying <laughs> Just Coral. me saying that at random time intervals. It'll be like it'll be like water torture. <laughs> you don't know when the water's going to drip. You're just sitting there listening. There's radio silence in between each one. It's just like, Coral. <laughs> Well, that's happening. Um, so th- there have been um, few protagonists as strong as Andrew Lincoln. He, you know, he came into the series of Walking Dead just knowing exactly how he wanted to portray the character. He had plenty of uh, material to do it with all the canon of the comics. But man, to see to see Andrew Lincoln of was he in Love Actually? Yeah, with the cue cards. I know. <laughs> To like biting people's necks out, yep. you know, and uh, using a machete and all the th- his his you know his pistol. I mean, there's no, there's I don't I can't think of a stronger image in the zombie apocalypse than Rick Grimes. Yeah, he's I mean, on the resume for experience, he's got it all. Mm-hmm. He's been in every zombie related situation you can think of. I mean, albeit all of them fake, but no, they're all real. They're from, oh, these are these are stories right. from the future. It's a Cameron. documentary feature. I forgot about that, <laughs> but he can handle it. You know, he's got it figured out. He knows the strategies. He has he's had to memorize lines with strategies about zombie 
you know, dealing with hordes of zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's a strong pick. I did not see it coming, but I like it. Thank it's good. you. My number one, Keanu Reeves. Oh, John Wick. Kirk. Yes. Once again, he so he checks every box of the four people that came before him on this list, and then he has more. First of all, he's John Wick. Mm-hmm. He's John Wick. So he, we know he's a killing machine. He's had to do all kinds of training with weapons. That just means any weapon we come across, he's got it under control. He's going to take him out. Mm-hmm. Um, he is very down to earth, which means that he would be good to talk to. I think he's the kind of guy who like would talk to you about your life, and you, you know. I, I was just talking about this the other day. It's sometimes intimidating when you have a friend who always asks about how you're doing mm-hmm. because then you're like, oh, man, am I terrible? I never ask about how, like, what they're doing and the things that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think I, Keanu's that guy. Yep. And you love them because you're like, man, I wish I was as good a person as you. But you're also, like, kind of intimidated because you're like, man, I wish I would care more. Mm-hmm. And so then you're, like, trying to ask them about things. I don't know. It's Anyway, that's complex, but he's definitely that guy. He's got a little bit of crazy, which is good. We've talked about that. He is super charming. I mean, he's the internet's darling right now. Mm-hmm. So once again, if he's in a situation where he needs some interpersonal skills, he's got it. Um, yeah, I mean, he checks every box. He would absolutely, on the flip side of some of your other picks, he would lay down his life in a moment to, that's, to that's save That's exactly you. right. He's selfless. Yes. That is a great point, Kirk. He, yeah. If it, could, if it comes down to it, you don't have to worry about him turning on you. No. You have to worry about him giving up his life for you. Right, like for no reason. Like, I got you. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, no, Keanu. No, I'm good, Keanu. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, it's just, he'd be perfect. He really would be. He's number one. Good old John Wick, Neo, Bill, or Ted. I'm not sure which one he is because <laughs> I haven't seen that. But, I mean, he's John Wick and Neo. Yeah. You know, he like, really that's is. pretty awesome. Um, okay, honorable mentions. Let's do this. Yes. So the one... That I was like, this could have been a top pick, was Idris Elba. Oh yeah. And the reason that I didn't choose him is because I think he's a little too polished for mm. the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, he's not gonna even. He's gonna go hide. He's like, I'm not dealing with. You got to be a little bit grizzled. And I know he's been in action films, but he's very much like a. He's he's very much the type of fighting that you would be in an action film, like very much martial arts, like very clean. If it gets if the going gets rough and he has to just fight off hordes and hordes, I don't trust his abilities to yeah. do that. Um, I also think like he's too cool for me, so he'd be like, "I'm not worried about you. I don't <laughs> care about you." So, Idris, I love you. I I had a hard time with that one, but, um, but that's number one on my honorable mentions. What honorable mentions do you have? Are we just doing one at a time? Oh, you can just fire off a few. That's fine. I got one, two, three, four, five, six. I got like nine because it was a really hard list. Yeah, let's just go rapid fire. I'm going to go Angelina Jolie. Good pick. She's the Tomb Raider. That's right. Once had a vial of blood with Billy Bob Thornton um, on the red carpet. So mm-hmm. she's nuts. Uh, Tim Roth. Oh, yeah. We've got Chris Pine. Liam Neeson. Yep. Richard Madden, my favorite. Good one. Michael Keaton, Tom Hardy, and Jesse Plemons, who is Todd from Breaking Bad. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yes. Because he's terrifying? That loon. I would oh. absolutely want him. He would have no problem taking out the zombies and hopefully not me. Yeah, he's taking you out. That's, <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing you left him off your list because he's for sure taking you out. All right. I've got Winona Ryder. <laughs> I just, Winona? Dude, I just got a vibe from her during Stranger Things. I was like, she is actually that character that's who she actually is and i think she'd do great she's 
I mean, she's. I wouldn't say she's calm under pressure, but she always gets it figured out. You know what I mean? That is true. She. I mean, she's. She's been through it. Mm-hmm. So I like Winona Ryder. Um, she would also. She seems like a fun person to be around. That's true. Um, let's see. Chris Pratt. Oh, lovely. Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of charm. You know, Ryan Gosling's turned the charm on. Also, so and, cool. And it, yeah, just would be fun to hang out with. He's like one of my all-time favorite actors. So mm-hmm. I'd want to just like chill and like pick his brain. Um, okay, weird one. I'll finish up with a weird one. Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton fame. All right. Uh, he played Aaron Burr in the original Broadway cast. He's been in quite a few movies now. He's popping up in more. He's in Harriet, which is coming out soon. Yes. He has a voice like 10,000 million angels. <laughs> it's, it is lovely. And I just feel in some way, deep down, I feel that even the most evil and undead of creatures would hear him sing a song and they would just be like, wow. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't be able to attack him. Yeah. So you just walk around like singing jazz and those guys would just be like leaving us alone. Mm-hmm. That's my thought at least. I mean, that's not backed up by anything, but like the reverse Pied Piper. If we were, <laughs> if we were <laughs> yes. in the zombie apocalypse, the zombies go away. Cause they're like, wow, we can't eat that. That sounds amazing. He's the cure to the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. What if people just start turning back into humans? Cause they hear his lovely voice. Oh, wow. Well, that's our next movie idea. Yeah, I like that movie idea. And we get to meet Leslie Odom Jr., so. <laughs> yep. It's a win-win. So that's that's another one. Any any others? Or you said it? That's my full list. All right. I like it. That was really fun. That was probably my favorite top five. Yeah, it was just a blast. So fun. Um, That's a wrap on this episode, though, Kirk. We're done. Double review. We knocked it out. Boom. Feels like we just ran a marathon. Um, For next week, no idea what we're seeing. No idea. Nope. Dealer's choice. If you have ideas, throw it our way. Sure. I don't know that we'll take it, but we'll we'll consider it. Maybe. We're still deciding. So there you go. Um, also, Star Wars premiere. We've got a theater. Okay? We've got a theater. We have to have the money to pay for the theater by the 29th, so we're cutting off the tickets on November the 15th. November the 15th is mm-hmm. the date that you have to purchase your tickets by. We will remind you on social media multiple times before then. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, just remember it's less than what it would cost to go normally. Um, you get to not have to worry about the pre-orders. Pre-orders actually start tonight. So all that chaos is going on. That's crazy. Um, yeah, which means actually there's a new Rise of Skywalker trailer out as we speak. Oh, um, man. So that's what I'm watching as soon as we're done. But if you want to join us for Rise of Skywalker, we want to have you. It's going to be an absolute blast. So um, find your tickets. You can find them on Facebook.com backslash popcorn for breakfast or wherever else we are on social media. So um, that's it. That's I want to give a special thanks to uh, Ryan Spriggs. What else? What else you got? Happy um, happy Back to the Future Day. It's today, October 21st. Oh, it's the day. It's the day. How do we not talk about that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I know. It's kind of lost its luster now that we've passed 2015, though, you know? I know. I've, I remember when the newspapers came out, the USA Today papers, I picked up like 20 of them yeah and they're in my house somewhere yeah unless aubrey unless she found she them probably and got threw rid them of away them. whenever you guys moved it's probably she's like you only need one sweetie i'm like i need all of them what are you gonna do with all of them though i'm going that's my retirement right there it's not gonna be worth anything <laughs> <laughs> uh if she did throw them out i think she did you a favor i know thanks babe um anyway special thanks to ryan spriggs who helps us produce this podcast and to ryan spriggs and brandon erstead for our awesome theme song Get your Star Wars tickets now, and we will see you guys next week. Talk Talk to to you then. Peace.
Andrew Lincoln, you know? Oh, he's on there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Andrew, Andrew Lincoln is probably <clears throat> a good pick. He's he's lived it. Coral! <laughs> Coral! No, 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 Coral. 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 Bad acting, bad acting, bad acting, bad acting. <laughs> yeah, Carl's like, what, whatever, I killed my mom. Suck it up, Dad. No expression on his no face No expression, whatsoever. no inflection in my voice. No change in his body posture, yeah. nothing. Yeah, I, I like to carry a gun and wear my dad's hat and shoot people in the eyeball. 